I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brian Kilmeade, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, October 20th, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. A worldwide alert for Americans overseas as the president appeals for funding during war. It is one of the few things actually on the Hill right now that you see almost uniform bipartisan support for. We speak with Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. I'm Chris Foster. Pro-Palestinian protests on college campuses are going too far for some members of Congress and big money donors. That's where you see the donors coming in and saying, you know, maybe we can have free expression and we can talk about these ideologies and why we don't agree with them. But the buck stops with us. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. With increased rocket attacks around the state of Israel following the murders of hundreds of Israelis by the terrorist group Hamas this month, President Biden delivered a rare primetime address to the American people. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. In Israel, I saw people who are strong, determined, resilient, and also angry in shock and in deep, deep pain. Before the president spoke, State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller announced Thursday a worldwide caution alert. Due to increased tensions in various locations around, locations around the world, the potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests, the Department of State advises U.S. citizens overseas to ex- uh, exercise increased caution. And before that alert went out, Americans in Lebanon were told to get out. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryan said during a Defense Department briefing. The crew of the guided missile destroyer USS Kearney, operating in the northern Red Sea earlier today, shot down three land attack cruise missiles and several drones that were launched by Houthi forces in Yemen. A drone also impacted a U.S. base in Syria. Drones were deployed against two U.S. base locations in Iraq. The worldwide threat came after a strike at a hospital in Gaza. Israeli defense forces denied it was them, saying it appeared a rocket from within Gaza aimed at Israel fell short and hit the area around the hospital. President Biden said after departing Israel Wednesday, he believed the Israelis based on information received from the Pentagon. It was too late, though. Protests erupted across the Middle East, in Ramallah in the West Bank, in Beirut, Lebanon, and in Amman, Jordan, outside the U.S. Embassy. And even though President Biden said U.S. intelligence concluded the hospital strike was unlikely to have come from Israel, our own lawmakers insisted it was, including Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. And that's what's been really painful. It's just, just continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital with children. Now, as part of the State Department's rare worldwide alert, Americans are told to be especially careful in locations frequented by tourists and to enroll in their STEP program so they can receive alerts. The State Department takes this very seriously. Shannon Bream is the host of Fox News Sunday and the host of the Live in the Bream podcast. The administration, I think, knows that Listen, we are pulled in so many different positions. Uh, the U.S. is seen as a world leader, and we are very much committed to helping the Ukrainian people. 
But Israel is a strong ally that I don't think I've seen any stronger pronouncements from this administration on any other topic and certainly not on any foreign you know, friend than we have seen with Israel saying we absolutely stand with them. This administration knows that that will make the administration, it will make Americans targets in many ways. But I think the world feels so volatile on so many fronts. You know, you think about Yemen, you think about the Taiwan Straits. I mean, there's just really significant foreign policy trouble everywhere. But this is the kind of thing that earlier this year, I was at a dinner that involved a lot of top folks from Jordan. And this was part of the conversation that they were very worried that it would take just some small thing to really ignite the entire region. And I think um, for people who've lived or traveled or worked there, you know what the feeling is that you can exist and and have real lives there, but you also yeah. know that you're never too far away from serious trouble. And it feels like that moment's arrived. Things seem to like, I guess, jump up a notch if mm-hmm. it could have jumped up anymore after the um, the strike on that hospital in Gaza. And our president, a Democratic president, said the strike on the hospital did not appear to be Israel's fault. The IDF even went so far as to release a recording of men speaking in Arabic about a failed rocket launch that fell short near the hospital. But Hamas, people in Gaza, people across the Arab world, you know, they are convinced Mm -hmm. that this is still Israel's fault. How hard is it to reach a place of even slightly calmer Mm -hmm. when no one believes anyone? And that's the whole thing is that I think with the onset of AI and deep fakes and all of these other things, because I've seen video that's been released, too, that's purported to show where this rocket launch went off in Gaza and a short time Mm. later misfired and fell in um, on that hospital. So folks who are making that argument say that's proof of it. But I can imagine that people that are on the other side of this conflict are never going to believe that. So. You know, we have to think about where do we trust? What do we believe in? We had, you know, senators and and members of Congress come out of bipartisan briefings and say, based on what we've seen, our intel departments who have, you know, aerial things and and images and things we don't know anything about and won't have access to are convinced that this was not Israel's doing, that it was a Hamas um, misfire of some kind. And I think that The fact of this hospital bombing, which is absolutely tragic, is just the first piece that they're going to use um, in what many people would call a propaganda operation. A handful of progressive lawmakers really criticized Israel after the hospital strike. Mm -hmm. Ilhan Omar, I think, has since walked back her initial tweet blaming Israel without an apology or anything. But politically, you know, you compare Congresswoman Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and others to a progressive like Senator John Fetterman, mm-hmm. whose reaction was quite the opposite. Right. What are we to make of the, I guess, the political differences here that we're seeing kind of pop up? Yeah, I mean, to have Fetterman, like you said, progressive, very progressive himself to be out there and saying, I can't believe that members of this body would believe Hamas over our own intel. I mean, he was pretty outraged and saying, gosh, why would we accept the explanation of a terrorist organization, recognized terrorist organization that has shown its willingness to devastate civilian populations over both our ally Israel and our own intel? So I got to say, though, I mean, this is such a tiny fraction of very loud but small handful of lawmakers that when you're being shouted down by your own party who's completely disavowing everything that you're saying, it's going to get to be a very lonely place for those, you know, two or three folks that want to continue to make those statements. Yeah, you know, the president wants more funding for Ukraine, but also for Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of this fight over who should be speaker, right? That's what we're talking about in terms of uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) total divide on the Hill this, this past week. Part of that fight has been 
about this precise issue, right? About spending mm -hmm. um, on foreign wars. And that's become not just an issue among House members, but it, it's an issue in the, on the campaign trail, too. You've got, like, mm -hmm. on the one side, as you know, people like Nikki Haley, much more certain about funding than, like, maybe a Governor DeSantis and certainly a Vivek Ramaswamy. Does this divide matter on the campaign trail, or does it only matter in the House, given that President Trump just dominates the campaign mm -hmm. trail? Well, it is one of the few places that there does seem to be some difference among the fields, the GOP primary field. So it gives them somewhere to stake out positions that are a little bit different. You've seen the attacks, the back and forth between Vivek and Nikki, and yeah. um, DeSantis has gotten drawn into this too. Like, where does he draw the line on the different spending and the different commitments? So it is something that definitely is sparking conversation on the campaign trail, but also at the debate it will. But it matters on the Hill, obviously, because when you don't have a functioning House, you can't pass any additional funding for anything. But there are also splits over in the Senate that are starting to show up because you've got Senator Rand Paul out there saying, there's no way I'm going to borrow more money from China so I can pay for what's happening in Ukraine. When the American people, I mean, the latest stats are 50 to 60 percent of them say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, the bundling together to Israel funding, which nearly everyone on the Hill supports, but putting that together with Ukraine, smaller amounts for Taiwan and also the southern border, that's also sparking a lot of consternation on the Hill is yeah. a polite way to say it, because if the White House comes in with what we expect, that's $100 billion in new funding, and people want answers on Ukraine and what the finish line is and tracking of that money before they'll commit anything else, even if it involves Israel. You know, Shannon, after the president left the region, the Pentagon announced even more assets were going to the Eastern Mediterranean. I think the latest was the U.S. 6th Fleet Command and Control Ship Mount Whitney was dispatched. That was even after two carrier strike groups had been sent, as well as Air Force assets. The president and the administration, they say this is about deterrence, you know, show, a show of strength. Is it enough? Yeah, I do think that the might of the U.S. military is actually a very impressive thing. Now, there will be those who say, listen, we got to build it back up. We have suffered severe attrition and losses. Nearly all the branches are missing their recruitment uh, goals. Listen, what we have at our disposal, our Navy, our Air Force, our Marines, our Coast Guard, I don't want to leave anybody out, so at my mind is blanking, who am I leaving out? But as a, as a family member who's had every branch represented, I know that these mm -hmm. are the best military folks in the world. And it does mean a lot when we send carrier groups and those kinds of things into the region. Um, but at the same time, we, you know, we have limits on, on what we can do when we are pulled to multiple major conflicts around the globe. I just want to shift over to... Um college campuses. We've seen quite a few protests, and I would say a lot of them are, are siding with the Palestinians. And we, we saw an NYU law student's offer to join a legal firm revoked for her views mm -hmm. against Israel. And um, there's a new op-ed now from a Berkeley law professor, and he says, if you don't want to hire people who advocate hate and practice discrimination, then don't hire some of my students. Have you been surprised to see the level of uh, vitriol mm -hmm. against Israel and the celebration of, of murder on these campuses. Yeah, and feeling like people are screaming past each other. It breaks my heart to see, you know, the footage we have out there of some young women, um, Jewish students who were in tears, sobbing, saying they want to kill us. I mean, they were obviously completely devastated by that. And then you have folks on the other side who will say, we're supporting the Palestinian people. Some of them you've seen on our air that we've had reporters out there asking them, like, how in the world would you ever um, be supportive of what Hamas did? And they don't believe that it happened. They believe that it, it oh. is staged or these things aren't true. So 
you know, you worry about where people are getting their information and, and what they believe. But if you're coming from a place that isn't full of factual information, you, you know, you're going to see past other people. You're not even going to see them as human beings. And so I, I am a little surprised that people are so full-throated with some of these college campus um, protests because the ones who are showing their faces – um, they have to be ready to take the consequences. I mean, I love that this country is all about free speech. I wouldn't want somebody to tell me what I could or couldn't say in a protest or on a college campus, but I also know that that might cost me somewhere else. And so these are private employers. They very much have the right to say what you're saying to me is revolting and you don't belong in my company. Yeah, it is interesting, right? I mean, you, yes, you have the right to your free speech, but I'm an employer and I have the right to not hire you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it can work both ways, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so before I let you go, we do need some legal analysis. Uh-oh. Sidney Powell pled guilty in the mm-hmm. Fulton County, Georgia election interference racketeering case. She, as we all know, was uh, Trump's attorney during the fight over the election results in 2020, going into 21. Part of her plea deal says she must testify truthfully in the trials of other defendants. One of those defendants is Trump himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think about it. I mean, she was one of those advocates who was out there saying we have the goods. We're going to be able to show that there were nefarious things that um, changed the outcome of the election. And we were all waiting. And remember, it was release the crack. And I remember being up late one night when we were waiting for the filing to come and getting the filing and saying, "Uh oh, this is not as advertised, not as promised. Um, it it wasn't good quality wise, but it didn't seem to have the content or the guts that we had been promised. So I think now being confronted with the possibility of serious trouble herself, she's made a deal that a lot of people say like, Ooh, she must be ready and willing to give the prosecutors a lot of goods because we're talking about probation, no jail time, a fine that most people think, Whoa, that's a lot smaller than I would have expected. And you Mm -hmm. can only, you know, make an educated guess about that, but that it's not going to be good for her co-defendants. Hmm. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday and host of the podcast, Live in the Bream. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jessica. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. There have been pro-Palestinian rallies on college campuses for years, long before the current war between Israel and Hamas. People opposed to the treatment of Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank. The calls to free Palestine, like those at Columbia University in New York City, are louder now with thousands of people killed in Israeli military strikes in Gaza. Some of the protesters are downplaying or even celebrating the terrorist attacks in Israel two weeks ago. That has some members of Congress saying we should end those schools' tax-exempt status. And some big money donors are pulling their support. I think that the probably more immediate and primary concern from universities would be the response from some of these big pocketed donors. Fox Business correspondent Lydia Hu at Columbia University. That are making a move to siphon off their funds. I mean, some of them have real traditions of supporting these schools with millions and millions of dollars. Just one recent example for you is um, one donor is the Apollo Global Management CEO, Mark Rowan. Um, And he's calling out University of Pennsylvania for what he calls is the university's tolerance of anti-Semitism. He wants all donors to reduce their giving to just $1 to the school 
That's significant because in 2018, he reportedly gave 50 million, that's five zero, $50 million to the university. And that's just one example of, you know, big pockets that are pulling back. We have others, you know, Ronald Lauder of the Estee Lauder Company, Clifford Asnes of AQR Capital, Les Wexner, the former Victoria's Secret CEO, pulling back from Harvard University. So this is really important to track because it could make a dent in these endowments that universities have depended on for so many years. Also, though, you ask about the tax-exempt status. That's a recent call that is now coming from Missouri Congressman Jason Smith. He wants to review the tax-exempt status of all colleges and universities that are enjoyed by public and private institutions um, because he's questioning, you know, whether some of the recent demonstrations and statements that have been issued by student organizations and universities alike whether they indicate they're still pursuing academic or charitable missions that they have professed to be dedicated to. Yeah, uh, you've got Harvard, University of Virginia, Northwestern. Um, all of these schools have been under fire to some degree, and some administrations have you know, condemned statements made by some of their students and disagreed with the pro-Hamas demonstrations. There's also, there might be a conflict here in the mission of providing a place for free thought and for free speech but also, um, you know, where do you draw the line with something that some people are finding really distasteful, especially if it's going to take money out of their endowments? Yeah, it really is highlighting a tension here because on the one hand, you expect, you know, institutions of higher education to be bastions of free thought, free expression, intellectual curiosity, a place where you can exchange ideas freely with the idea that you improve your perspective on your community and your global community of which you are a part. On the other hand, what is the appropriate role the university should play in guiding, teaching, educating students that are participating in the this type of dialogue, communication, and now what we're seeing are demonstrations. And for a long time now, there has been, you know, really a concern that universities have turned into you know, places where some people are now saying, calling it out, you know, anti-Semitism has been growing. And we're hearing that from more and more students that are currently on campuses and folks that have graduated and moved on, sharing their experiences and their perspective, saying, you know, colleges have become a place where anti-Semitism and these types of ideologies are being supported or allowed to find support. And that's where you see the donors coming in and saying, you know, maybe we can have free expression and we can talk about these ideologies and why we don't agree with them. But the buck stops with us. We are not going to allow our money to support or to tolerate an, an institution or an environment in which anti-Semitism is going to be tolerated. Yeah, you can say what you want, you can do what you want, but not on our dime. Do you exactly. get a, yeah, do you get a sense you've mentioned anti-Semitism. Some of these protests are going to say, look, and I'm Jewish. I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm anti-Israel at the very least. I'm anti this Israeli administration. Do you get a sense that there that it actually is an anti-Semitic thread running through all this? I think you know, the protests definitely are taking on kind of different tones and tenors. Some, you know, many, I should say, have maintained a peaceful status. Um, some have, you know, exposed tensions flaring. And there have been some examples, um, you know, I think in the immediate wake of the attacks by Hamas, where there's some really troubling images, troubling video footage that has emerged um, of protests on some college campuses where people are unabashedly saying that they are 
pro-Hamas. Um, we have seen examples where people are taking down flyers that are documenting the people that have been taken hostage from Israel into Gaza, people taking them down. We have seen examples of, in some instances, swastikas being um, scrawled um, on property. So there does seem to be um, examples of anti-Semitism, but I don't think that we can say all of these protests are rooted in anti-Semitism. Back to the tax code thing that, um, that Congressman Smith is proposing. Do we know why the federal tax code classifies these schools as tax exempt? I mean, is it because they're technically charitable, not-for-profit organizations? There, there are people that are, that are saying, look, why is my money going toward subsidizing, you know, somebody else's higher education? That's exactly it. Colleges and universities, both public and private, have enjoyed this tax exempt status because they've been deemed to serve um, an educational purpose that should foster a public benefit. But it's that public benefit now that some lawmakers are questioning um, as they're seeing protests um, and statements from student groups that they say are alarming, to say the least. Um, for example, some of the statements that are coming from student groups are blaming Israel for the attacks on Israel. And that's just one example that's being pointed to as an indication that perhaps these universities are not truly pursuing an education for public benefit, because how does the public benefit from student groups that believe Israel is responsible for the attack on Israel? The tax benefit status is just one example. You've also heard other lawmakers like Senator Marco Rubio saying we should really think about how student loans are being used. The federal government issuing student loans so students can attend these institutions of higher education and receive this, um, receive these teachings. He's questioning whether that should continue as well. People are losing jobs over this. For um, a Stanford University instructor has been removed for what they have said about uh, the situation in the Middle East. Some kids I know have lost job offers because of their um, public statements so far. And uh, at Harvard, there's a thing called the doxing truck. I don't know about uh, what this says about uh, these kids' public safety. There's a billboard truck driving around near the campus displaying the names and pictures of students whose organizations signed this statement blaming Israel for the attacks. Um, is there a sense that things could get dangerous? Yeah, I, th I think there is. You know, we are at Columbia University reporting on, on the, these issues. And, you know, it was just earlier this week when there was a Jewish student who was assaulted at one of these protests where there was a protest and a counter protest. We are seeing reports that the person who um, is accused of having assaulted the Jewish student has been arrested and charged. But that's just one example of, you know, how tensions are rising and there are some um, isolated incidents of, of violence so far. Um, it does call into the question of cancel culture, right? I mean, we were talking about cancel culture a lot a couple years ago, and this is kind of reigniting that conversation around, you know, how do we treat people who express views that are repugnant in some instances, that we disagree with in others. You know, who is responsible for these statements that student groups are issuing? Some people say, well, the students are because they're by and large 18 years old, they're adults, and they should have to live with the consequences. On the other hand, is there something to be said for the university's role? You know, they're being paid to educate these students. What role are they serving in moderating these conversations, educating students on the conflict in the Middle East, educating students about 
Hamas being a terrorist organization. Um, and so I think you're seeing kind of a divide in even corporate America about the level and to the extent to which we hold students responsible for statements that they're making or um, signing on to. Yeah. And it's going to, as we know, this stuff's going to last forever. I mean, this this kid at NYU who lost a summer job offer because the NYU Student Bar Association says Israel bears full responsibility for this tremendous loss of life. I mean, that's going to some of these kids' names are going to be on these these statements forever. Just finally, Lydia, the Ivies, you're at Columbia um, in New York. They have more to lose because these they get these huge donations, but they also have more you know more of a cushion to weather the storm. Is this really trickling down throughout education, or do you think it's isolated to the big schools so far? So far, it appears we're really seeing the backlash against some of the the bigger schools, Harvard, uh, University of Pennsylvania. Um, These are the schools that we're really seeing donors, you know, speaking out and condemning what they say is a tepid, inadequate response from administrators there Um, and, you know, urging their colleagues, you know, in corporate America to also withhold donations. So, so far, it seems like it's limited to you know, kind of the household name Ivy League institutions. But if this continues, we're seeing these protests and demonstrations across the country. You know, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, Arizona State University, from coast to coast. I wouldn't be surprised if this continues um, and it doesn't go away anytime soon, particularly as we're still, you know, in the early days of this conflict in Israel. Um, and we're waiting to see how this is going to unfold as well. It, it, all hopes are that we can find peace, but there are reasons to be concerned that this could last for a long time. Lydia Hu at uh, Columbia University in New York City reporting for Fox Business. Thanks, Lydia. You got it. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. A new survey lists the top 30 little things that bring people happiness, and you may feel better just hearing the list. The poll of 2,000 adults found that finding money in the pocket of a coat or an old pair of jeans is at the top. 36% of people also get a good feeling when they're allowed to jump ahead in line at the grocery store. Other things that make us happy, surprise refunds, getting a compliment from a stranger, hearing your favorite song on the radio, finding a treasured lost item and receiving unexpected affection from your partner. The study found that unexpectedly delightful things happen to people an average of twice a week, with 78% claiming that when it does occur, it automatically puts them in a good mood. The unscientific survey also found some truth to the adage, it's better to give than to receive. About 77% of those surveyed said they find joy in doing something for others, like paying for someone else's meal while out for dinner or being there to listen to a friend. And 84% said these little moments restore their faith in humanity. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So here's one you might have missed between the war in Gaza and the food fight in the House of Representatives. Cher. Remember Cher? She just announced on social media that if Donald Trump wins the presidency in 2024, she's moving out of America. 
proving once and for all that Twitter needs a button called, Who Asked You? Don't get me wrong. If there was a Mount Rushmore for pop singers, Cher's face would definitely be on it. We'd just have to figure out which face. Because she's had so much plastic surgery, she looks like she already left this country from Mars. But as dumb political takes go, Cher should turn back time and delete the post. Because here's a newsflash. Nobody is moving out of the country if Donald Trump wins back the presidency. And I only know this because dozens of celebrities vowed to do the exact same thing in 2016, and they're all still here. Comedian Amy Schumer said she'd move to the Middle East, and she didn't go, which is actually a good thing because they've had enough bombings without Amy's stand-up act. Whoopi Goldberg said she'd leave if Trump won. Last I checked, she's still farting on the stage hands at The View. If you haven't read that story, by the way, let's just say that Trump's election wasn't the only time Whoopi turned the other cheek. Ahem. But you know who else threatened to leave if Trump won in 2016? Cher. Ding, 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 ding. So her saying it again shows you she's not looking to take a stand. She's looking to take some headlines and make them about her. Because these days when Cher sings, I've got you, babe, she's talking about irrelevance. And the truth is, I don't love every word that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. But to put this in Cher terms, anyone is better than the gypsies, tramps, and thieves we have running things now. So maybe just maybe all of these attention-starved celebrities should learn to root for a guy like Trump. Because the way Biden's going, they might not have a country to leave by 2024. Be sure to check out Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Fallon, weekdays from noon to 3 on the Fox News app and foxacrossamerica.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.